what is good everybody man i hope everyone's doing good on this wednesday night i had to push the the stream back just a little bit we usually do these around seven or um eight o'clock man i had to push it back the coach's corner we got a big episode man big special guest we got campbell safety's coach um Coming on with us, man, Patrick Miller. He's going he's to chop it up with me and Coach Fred. We're going to preview some of the biggest games of the week and also do a little recap, man. You can catch the Coach's Corner on Friday. Drop it on the channel early morning. Coach's Corner with, with co-host Coach Leroy Frederick, wide receiver coach um, at Allcorn State. And, yeah, man, I had to jump out the space, man. I had this starting at 8.30. I was hoping to jump in there. But, listen, after the show – you can catch me in the spaces HBCU nightly with my guy Josh Sims, former NCCU player man, does a great job with the, with the Twitter spaces. Him and BJ are um, are the leader right now in terms of Twitter spaces and do, and doing it big over there, man. So yeah, I had to jump out of the space. I stayed as long as I could, but um, listen, we're, we we got a little bit of a different show tonight. Um, I, each week I try to add more layers to the show, do more things with you guys. So. Tonight, we're still doing Walter Payton watch list. We're doing Buck Buchanan watch list. And we're also going to add a segment called Blind Resumes. So I picked three teams, and there's three different blind resume tests. And I want you guys to tell me which team right now has the best resume. Then we're going to, then we're, then I'm going to let you guys know who the team is. And I think you guys are going to be a little bit surprised about some of the rankings and the way some of these teams are perceived just based on brand alone. Cause there are a lot of teams right now that I think are getting by based on brand recognition rather than. I would say possibly uh, on-field performance. We'll, we'll just say we'll just say that, and then we're going to preview some of the top FCS games. We're going to preview some of the top HBCU games, and we're going to end the show with um, with our two games of the week. We're going to take live calls and comments toward the end of the show as well. Call in number is seven zero one seven seven nine nine five eight five. Call in any time, and man, any questions, any games you guys want to preview. I'm down to talk any game, any level or anything like that, man. But Coach's Corner dropping tomorrow. But an updated Walter Payton Award watch list. So the way this goes is the guys at the top are in order as if I if as if I had to submit my ballot today. So um, and then the two honorable mentions would round out my top five in terms of voting. And so right now, man, I think Tim DeMoret has done plenty right now to take home the Walter Payton as we enter week six, man. 2,100 passing yards, 26 touchdowns, two rushing, only three turnovers for Fordham. They're four and one. Only loss was to an FBS opponent in Ohio. That team is cracking into the top 25 of the FCS polls, and they still have a huge top 10 matchup against Holy Cross coming up that potentially could end Holy Cross's run at the in the Patriot League winning back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back titles. Man, they have been dominant in the Patriot League. Lindsey Scott moved up to second in my ballot, 71% completion percentage, 1,700-plus passing yards, 20 passing touchdowns, five rushing, only two interceptions. Incarnate Word, 4-1, and one, an FBS win. Their only loss was on a Hail Mary to Southeastern Louisiana. In week four, Shador is a, is a close three right now. We'll see what he does this weekend against Alabama State. 1,300 yards, 14 touchdowns through the air, two rushing and a pick. 
They're, of course, Jackson State sitting at 4-0, and wins over FAMU, Tennessee State, Grambling, and Mississippi Valley State with the potential to go 5-0 and this weekend. My honorable mentions rounding out my top five, Jaden Sheridan, Monmouth running back, the leading rusher in all of FCS football, averaging over 10 yards per carry for the season, and North Dakota State fullback Hunter Lipke right now is an absolute animal. Um, well, one of the leading receivers at fullback for North Dakota State, on top of being one of the top rushers in the FCS, that, that dude is a workhorse. And I, I pretty much think right now Hunter Lipke has an argument, depending on how you want to vote, as being one of the most dominant FCS players in the country. And But for me, and I, I want to say this, because I think there's a lot of top FCS voters, I'm just going to be honest with you guys, that are going to put Hunter Lipke extremely high on their ballot. But I do think as much as the Walter Payton should go to the best player at FCS football, you do have to weigh, like for me, the ballot comes with how do you lead your team? How do you perform in the biggest games? Do your stats match your overall talent? Are you underperforming? And how valuable are you to your team? And when I look at Tim DeMoret, he's more valuable to his team than any of the players on this list by far. Tim DeMoret, if he doesn't play for Fordham, Fordham right now could be sitting at like two and three or something like that. If Tim DeMoret's not on that team, that team is an average FCS team rather than a top 25 team. Lindsey Scott having to step into the shadow of potentially one of the best quarterbacks in Incarnate Word history and Cameron Ward comes over comes over from Nickel State and puts on an absolute lights-out performance. And Shador Sanders, man, we know what he brings to that Jackson State offense. He's He won the Jerry Rice Award for a reason. I just think it's going to be really hard for a running back to win this award, especially when three of these top quarterbacks are putting on absolute just record-setting performances this year. And on top of... Let's not forget Parker McKinney for Eastern Kentucky and also uh, Nolan Henderson for Delaware have stats good enough to be in this race too. So I just think Jaden Sheridan and Hunter Lipke are just behind the eight ball due to the perceived lack of importance of running backs. And just also we know how teams are. They rotate running backs and you don't rotate your quarterbacks. I just think the quarterbacks this year are going to run away. I think you're going to see an Eric, Barrier, Cole Kelly type race toward the end of the year between these top three quarterbacks and Demoret, Scott, and Sanders. But right now, this would be my ballot if we had to submit it on October 5th for the Walter Payton Award. For the Buck Buchanan, not many changes. I still think Patrick O'Connell is going to take this one as of right now. 42 total tackles, nine for loss, seven sacks, a forced fumble, and INT. He's ranked second in sacks, top 12 in tackles for loss, top 25 in total tackles at the linebacker spot. John Pius, a very, very close second, the, the the national sack leader and number one in tackles for loss with 12 and a half tackles for loss and seven and a half sacks. Also has some pass breakups to add on to his resume. The newcomer that came out of nowhere for me is Zeke Vandenberg. Illinois State linebacker has had a ridiculous year this year. 44 total tackles, 10 and a half tackles for loss, six sacks, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. He's top three in tackles for loss, top 10 in sacks, top 25 in total tackles. He pads the stat box every week, and he's extremely important to that Illinois State defense. My round out, I guess my top six would be Chris Whitaker from Incarnate Word, Maxwell Anderson, Weber State cornerback, and Jay Person, um, Chattanooga linebacker or edge rusher. All three of those guys easily could find themselves in the top 
top three, but it's shaping up to really be a John Pius versus Patrick O'Connell race. I think Pius has done enough, but you look at O'Connell already having the established um, voter presence because he finished third last year. He finished third behind Troy Anderson and Isaiah Land, who eventually went on to win this uh, win the Butt Buchanan Award last season. Um, but man, uh, let me know, you know, who you guys think right now are the leaders in the clubhouse. Are there any sleepers, man, on your favorite team that you think could creep in here? I, I the one person who did fall off my ballot that I think has a chance to get back on is possibly Niles Gaddy for the Buck Buchanan Award. I think Niles suffered from a bye week, kind of falling down those rankings, and also he didn't have his best performance last game for Jackson State. And the question for Niles becomes, can he still establish himself as the number one pass rusher on that Jackson State team as Doyle develops? As um, I'm blanking on the kid's name. I think it's uh, something Robinson or something like that on the edge also develops. Are they going to start using Aubrey as a blitzer more? I think there's some edge guys that were new to the program that potentially could take take a few stats away from him he uh, i talked to someone close to him he was a little bit banged up in that valley game and i wonder um i wonder how that how that impacted him last week and so i'm i think a bye week was needed if he can go out against alabama state and dominate demetrius davis in that alabama state offensive line that had some problems at times with howard I, th- I think i think he could easily find himself back into this Buck buchanan award race and also I'm going to be interested to see, and this is going to be a stretch. I'm just going to let y'all know because of how bad the team is. I really do think Ronnie Thomas, if he continues the production for Valley, could find himself in the voting. I just think it's going to be really hard due to the perception of Valley, how many national voters outside of possibly myself actually keep up with Mississippi Valley State football. It's just the fact the team is so bad might, take him off of some voters' radars, as sad as it may may sound. But I do think Ronnie Thomas potentially could have the stats to to, to really get in this race, man. But listen, I want to do an FCS blind resume test, man. So these are three teams that – all three of these teams are teams that have something in common. I want to see – I want you all to judge these resumes based on, one, who you would rank higher, and two – who you think has the best resume potentially for the FCS playoffs as we enter this weekend, man. Listen, if you know who the team is, don't put it in the chat. Don't look it up to try to, you know, spoil it for anybody. I just want the honest assessment, blind resume, no brands, no players, no names. I just want to see who you guys think is the best team blind resume as we enter week six. So this is our first blind resume of week six, man. We have team a they're four and oh, Strength, strength, strength of schedule, one fifteenth in the country. They've outscored their opponents one hundred and ninety to thirty-seven, and their combined opponent record is four and fifteen so far. Team B is five and zero. Oh. They have a top fifty-five strength of schedule. They've outscored their opponents one hundred and seventy-one to ninety-three, and their combined their combined opponent record is ten and eleven, along with Team B having an FBS win on their resume. Team C is 4-0, strength of schedule 47th, 
outscore their opponents 137 to 38, and their combined opponent record is four and 16. On top of they have an FBS win on their resume as well. So, which team right now, just in terms of blind resume, no team names, nothing like that, no looking up who they are. Who who do you guys think one should be ranked highest, and two, what which team do you think has the best resume for the playoffs? Drizzy said Team C has the best resume. Team B, strength of schedule is good, difficult schedule, and FBS win is key. So we got a Team B and a T- Team C right now. Um, let's see, riding with you on Peyton and Buchanan. Hey, appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. So we got we we got we got a Team C and a, and a Team B here. So uh, these th- these resumes, Team A was Jackson State. Team B is Holy Cross, and Team C is Weber State. When you look at the, when you look at the rankings right now, Weber State seven, Jackson State's eight, and Holy Cross is nine. And for me, looking at Holy Cross's resume, I really do think Holy Cross playing in the Patriot League, having that stigma of not being historically extremely successful in the playoffs. I, I think that that plays against them with some of the voters. And I, I think there's a good argument that if Holy Cross wins this weekend, Holy Cross is going to make a, a make a pretty significant jump, potentially sitting at six and zero. They've had a tough schedule and on top of Fordham looking so good is really going to help their future strength of schedule moving forward. Weaver state's an interesting one, man, because their strength of schedule is 47th, but they still played a D2 team we won. So what what is their strength of schedule going to end up being once some of those big Sky Conference opponents start overweighing that early D, uh, D2 game against, I believe it was Western Oregon. Jackson State still in this mix. These are the teams that they're going to be fighting for votes with. Right now, man, the strength of schedule, 115th is hurting them. But, man, the dominance for Jackson State is what I've talked to some of the voters is really keeping them – in the top 10 right now, man, 190 to 37 is pure domination over their opponents. And the, the, the problem is fam you right now, the more fam you wins, the better it looks for Jackson state. Cause right now the combined opponent record for Jackson state is four and 15 fam. You has three of those wins. And if FAMU keeps winning, it's going to help Jackson state strength the schedule. And the fact that J- uh, Jackson state beat them 59 to three, it's going to be and it's going to be an amazing run here moving forward. Now, the second blind resume of the night, man, team a five and zero, 80th strength of schedule. They've outscored their opponents 150 to 50. They have one FBS top 25 win by 21 points and an FBS win by seven points. Team B is also five and zero, 75th strength of schedule. Um, outscore their opponents 201 to 57, zero top 25 wins, zero FBS FBS wins going into week six. Team C sitting at 4 0, the 35th strength of schedule, outscored their opponents 183 to 85, no top 25 wins. They do have an FBS win by 31 points, man. At, at, at a dominant, dominant win. Oh, let's see. So JSU's in the building, <laughs> 190 to 37. As long as we stay dominant and stack wins, I'm good. Then we need to get players drafted. I agree. So it's going to be interesting to see what the NFL draft looks like. So we got an A easily, a team A all the way. I agree. Hey, listen, um, I know who the teams are, but I'm, I'm extremely high on A as well. 
I got A and then C. I like it. Okay, we got a team C in here too. I like it. I like it. And so these are the teams right now. And this is interesting because I'm extremely interested to see how the voters are going to keep ranking Montana um, where they are. Delaware is team A, man, 5-0, a top 25 um, FBS, a top 25 FPS win. They have another FB, a top 25 FPS matchup this weekend with William & Mary. They got that FBS win over Navy. Team B is Montana. They don't have a top 25 win or an FBS win, but they have been dominating the FCS level with the matchups that they've had. And Sac State, 4-0 is a team that a lot of people pick down here. We got multiple Team Cs down here. Uh, Sac State's looked really good, man. They haven't played a top 25 FCS team. They had that weird uh, – Sac State's bye week was week two, by the way. I, I don't know how that how that played out necessarily, that they got a week two bye week. Um and then, man, they, they got that big win over uh, Colorado State by 31 points, 41 to 10. Absolutely dominated them. And I agree. Uh, we're going to talk about the Delaware-William & Mary game today. And if they win that game, I'm just going to let you know on my ballot. I've been extremely um, clear. I'll Delaware will be top three for me if they win impressively this weekend. They really will, especially with the fact that they'll have two top 25 wins, an FBS win, and that's something that Montana State doesn't have. That's something that Sac State doesn't have. That's something Montana doesn't have. I'm extremely um, excited to see what what Delaware looks like this weekend. Now, our final one here. And th- this is this is the one I'm excited about. We have Team A four and one. They have the 17th best strength to schedule in the country right now. Outscored their opponents 134 to 70. They got a top 25 win. And their one losses to an FBS school by four points. We have Team B also four and one, a top forty strength of schedule. Outscored their opponents one eighty eight to seventy nine. No top twenty five wins. Their one loss was to an FBS school by three points. And Team C four and one, twenty eighth strength of schedule. Outscored their opponents two thirty three to one forty five. They have a top twenty five win, and they have an FBS win by fourteen points. Their one loss. Was to was was to an FCS school by a single digits. So they they they're one the four the team sees one loss was to another FCS school by single digits. So we got a C here, another C, a C, uh, team C, then A. I like it. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let a few people get in because this one's this one might shock some people because um, there's a. a there, there's some there's some definitely interesting. We got more C's here. An, an A, our first B, C then A, going to take FBS win over loss, kind of like B, um, uh, Team C, man, and Kyle, man. I asked the one thing I asked, man. Don't don't spoil who the teams are. So a lot of Team C's here, which means a lot of you guys think Incarnate Word right now, it should be ranked and and also has the better strength the scale uh, just in terms of re- playoff resume than North Dakota State and South Dakota State South Dakota State a, a just ridiculous strength to schedule right now they're four and one their one FBS loss was to four was by four points to Iowa in week one they do have a top 25 win um, on their resume already uh, team B North Dakota State no top 25 wins their loss was to three points to Arizona while incarnate word their FBS win 14 points over Nevada 
their top 25 win over Southern Illinois week one. Um, a top 10 win, by the way. I should have put that as well. Incarnate Word's got a top 10 win right now. Their one loss was by Hail Mary to Southeastern Louisiana on the road in their conference opener in which I thought they, they, they looked pretty solid. It was a game that could have went either way and they lost by Hail Mary. But I thought this was interesting that a team that's right now ranked 10th in the FCS possibly has a better blind resume than, than the consensus one and two teams in the FCS. I say consensus. Montana's got six first-place votes as well. So it, it's going to be extremely interesting to see um, what these teams look like. Um, Brian, I, I didn't I didn't do the, uh, the combined records just because – all these teams played, you know, had or most of the teams had the top 25 and played in FBS school. Um, I, I just went with, you know, comparing top 25 to FBS. The reason I went with combined record on that first slide is because only one team played in FCS, uh, in FBS school. So I didn't want to, I felt like that wouldn't have been a fair comparison. And none of those schools played a top 25 team in the FCS. Um, but I'm not sure what the what the combined records are. I think if you add up all the records, Incarnate Word has played the best schedule. Uh, Incarnate, I know for a fact, Brian, that Incarnate Word's opponents have the highest win percentage of the three. I don't know who has the highest between South Dakota State and North Dakota State off the top of my head, but Southern Illinois is still a top 25 team. They have three wins. Nevada's had a handful of wins as well, so Incarnate Word definitely has the highest um, win, opponent win percentage right now. Goes to show sometimes we get caught in the brand more than the actual resume and eye test. I agree, man. And on top of that, I think a lot of people, and, and this is this is coming from people I've talked to, they get caught up sometimes voting with a uh, looking ahead. So you know, you you always hear this thing: this team can't look ahead on their schedule. A lot of the voters look ahead on the schedule, where it's like, okay, even though this team may have looked better this week than than team B in a head-to-head matchup, who would win, in my opinion, and that's how they rank. I don't think that's necessarily how you should look at it. I think you have to go based on what you've seen on the field thus far, and, and I think that's uh, that's something that the voters have to grow on, It, it, it just in my opinion. Uh, but I thought this was an interesting blind resume test. Man, we're going to bring these back. I'm also going to do them for awards and, and things like that. Uh, moving forward, but man, I, I love the blind resumes because it really shows that a lot of people got biases based on the color, based on the the mascot, everything like that. They, they got a lot of biases. But real quick, man, we're gonna do top FCS versus FCS games, our week six HBCU preview, and our two games of the weeks uh, game of the week: Delaware, William and Mary, Weber State, and Eastern Washington. Man, real quick. Elon versus Townsend is a game that I'm extremely interested in, especially the way Elon's been winning, man. They really and truly have been outplayed in a sense in their past two wins. They have a two overtime win over Richmond. They they came back and beat William and Mary. Townsend's coming off of a 14 point loss to number six Delaware on the road. They played, they played them extremely close. I want to see if this difficult schedule catches up to Elon at all. They've played a lot of close games, a lot of back and forth games where some they've been beat up. They've had to go down to the wire. Are they overlooking Townsend at all coming in here? Townsend sitting at two and three right now. I'm interested to see the run matchup. Matthews and Hampton on each side have been amazing running backs for both of these teams. I just think Matthew McKay versus the quarterback for Townsend is going to be 
a mismatch. Matthew McKay has played amazing football for Elon this year, transferred in from Montana State, has has picked up right where he left off, 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns, only one turnover, and the rushing attack for Elon it matches everything that you want and more with their with with what they got passing attack. Hampton, 400 yards rushing, four touchdowns. McKay, over 202 touchdowns on the ground as well. I think I think Elon gets a big win over Townsend, gets another CAA victory, and you're looking at Elon sitting now at three and zero in conference, and you're looking at that Elon Delaware matchup coming up in a few weeks as being an absolute elimination matchup and I can't wait to see it. I think that's going to be one of the games of the year and depending on depending on what I got going on, I really might want to travel up to that game, especially if it's at Elon up there. But man, South Dakota State, South Dakota, this is a game that has continuous is as dominant as South Dakota State's been. This game has continuously been a one-score game. It has been a game that has been down to the wire and there's a lot and there's a lot of people who think that South Dakota could give South Dakota State a major run for their money. Do not let South Dakota State's record fool you. They have three they're sitting at one and three. South Dakota's three losses are to North Dakota State at Montana and Kansas State, a top 25 FPS program. So South Dakota has been through the ringer. They had a big win over Cal Poly, and uh, South Dakota State coming off of a big win over Western Illinois. This is going to just come down to whether Carson Camp can be consistent with his with, with, with his deep ball. He 700 yards passing, four touchdowns. He has three interceptions, though, man. He's got to clean up the turnovers, man. I don't think Tice is a strong enough running back to carry this team against a really, really strong South Dakota State defense. Isaiah Davis is picking up steam as the season goes along, 500 yards and two touchdowns. And Mark Gronikowski really looks like he's back from that devastating injury from the spring. I felt like he went through some growing pains early throughout the season. And I think that held him back a little bit. I'm going to be honest. I think that held back the offense of South Dakota State. The Yankee twins have been amazing at the wide receiver spot. Adam Bach in that front seven, I think is the difference this weekend against South Dakota. Give me South Dakota State. And I still think it's a one-score game. So give me South Dakota State by seven just because this is an in-state robbery and you never know what could happen. Now, Missouri State-Southern Illinois is an, is an MVFC elimination matchup. Whoever loses this game, and anyone in here who watches national FCS football can tell you, whoever loses this game, it's a wrap. And Missouri State's riding a three-game losing streak. They've lost to North Dakota. They've lost to South Dakota State and Arkansas. This is a must-win for Bobby Petrino. They're sitting at two and three, hanging on for dear life right now in the top 25. Southern Illinois dropped out early after two losses to Incarnate Word in Southeastern Missouri State. I get an FBS win, a big win over North Dakota, and a big win against Illinois State. I think I think Southern Illinois gets this one. As great as Jason Shelley is, I think Nick Baker can can throw with the best of them. And the one concern I have is Missouri State's offensive line being able to hang on against a fairly talented front seven for Southern Illinois. If that defense can turn this into a slugfest, get Jason Shelley uncomfortable in the pocket, things can get really, really difficult uh, for Missouri State. I do think it's a back-and-forth high-scoring game, but I trust the offensive line of Southern Illinois, and I trust the secondary to make just enough plays against Jason Shelley to pull this one out. I got Southern Illinois in a close one on the road against Missouri State. Now, a game that I potentially could be at. So, listen, um, still haven't heard back from Alabama State. If I'm not at Alabama State, Jackson State this weekend, I'm going to be at Mercer, Western Carolina. This is a game I'm extremely excited to see. Mercer, almost a top-10 team, 
how much money could I have taken from some of you guys betting that Mercer would break into the top 10 this, this year? Not, not many people thought that could happen. Fred Payton has been electric at the quarterback spot, 1,100 yards, 13 touchdowns, no turnovers. Austin Douglas has been a godsend at running back after they lose to a starting all-conference running back early, early in, in the fall camp. The, this game really and truly could could hit the 40s, 50s, man. This is going to be a shootout. Carlos Davis, 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns. Uh, Reed at the running back spot has almost 503 touchdowns. Western Carolina can score with the best of them. The one thing I say, though, if you turn the ball over against Mercer, you have zero shot to pull out, to, to pull out a win. I think Carlos Davis is way too... Loose with the football, man. Eight interceptions already, man. They played five games. He's thrown eight interceptions. They have an air raid attack, but it's not that Shador air raid attack where Shador takes care of the football. Carlos Davis throws it in harm's way consistently. Mercer's defense is the X factor. Give me Mercer this weekend in a in a big, big so uh big big SoCon game this weekend over there in Macon, Georgia. Now, our week six HBCU preview, man. I wanted to add this in here. Um, I know a lot of you guys are interested in, in a lot of these games. The, we have a lot of big conference games this weekend. And then, of course, that game at the bottom there is a giant. It's a non-conference matchup, but the bragging rights are on the line, especially uh, for South Carolina State here because they caught a lot of flack last year for bragging about that Jackson win when they didn't have a winning record against the SWAC uh, after that. But we'll start with Jackson State, Alabama State. This game, um, ah, man, this game, look, let's start with this. The recruits that are coming to this game are star-studded. You have two five-star teammates from Carver um, where they pretty much have said they're going to the same school together. James Smith and Quay Russell, they were at the Auburn game, I believe, last week for the Auburn-LSU game. They're going to Alabama State. Um, Jackson State this weekend, and this is the same week. I just want to put this in perspective for people. They're visiting the same week as Alabama is hosting Texas A&M. I just want to put that out there. These two five stars said, we would rather come see Alabama State, Jackson State over uh, over Alabama, Texas A&M. That is huge huge man they also have four-star georgia commit bo hughley coming in to um to to visit uh to see this game and visit alabama state i'm just gonna let y'all know this this is because all y'all know i work it on three for auburn auburn's been recruiting this kid bo hughley is going to uh, i would say there's an 85 percent chance he's going to flip from georgia now do i know where no but I don't think he's going to make that class of Georgia. And I think Bo Hughley is looking for an opportunity to flip. This could be a huge game for Jackson State and Alabama State if Hughley sees an opportunity to play. There's been a lot of rumors that Auburn and a bunch of schools are trying to get him to flip, and he's been listening. And there's a great possibility Bo Hughley is coming to this game with his mind wide open. Do not let the Georgia commit uh, beside his name fool you. But four-star uh, Bo Hughley is huge. Also, four-star Auburn commit Braden Joyner from Auburn High School at center is also going to be in attendance. This is huge, man. And also, going going back to the uh, 
going back to the four-star Bo Hughley, the Georgia commit, he's skipping the Georgia-Auburn game this weekend to go see Jackson State, Alabama State. So these these high-profile recruits aren't just picking a lazy weekend like, oh, man, there ain't nothing else I want to go see. They're picking this game over legit recruiting visit weekends for a lot of these schools. This, this is impressive. I talked to some of the guys at On3, and they said that Alabama State, Jackson State is drawing in a better recruiting crowd than some Power 5 schools can on big game weekends. That is... That says so much, man. They're going to the homecoming game. They're going to see. They're going to see Jackson State, Alabama State. the The, the atmosphere is going to be electric. The the stadium is going to be sold out. It's going to be an amazing environment. And so, I just want to. I just wanted to point that out. That this is a big deal. And I don't. I don't know if a lot of people understand how big of a deal it is, especially when you look at some of the other options these, these guys had to go visit. Um, and just and just for people saying it's only for uh. Jackson State, Quay Russo and James Smith both both released their top fives and top sixes. And Alabama State has been in the, their top schools all throughout the recruitment. So these guys are legit, or from what they've been saying, are legit are actually considering going to Alabama State. So don't say it's just a Jackson State uh, tryout. It is also an Alabama State tryout too. These guys are at a school in Carver that has a lot of Alabama State connections, and these guys have been very vocal that Alabama State is going to be a factor in their recruitment. Um, and so do not uh, do not be surprised that this is a, a huge moment for not just Coach Prime, but also, um, but also Alabama State and Eddie Robinson Jr. And also, I do want to um, make sure y'all know this. If a, if a recruit, if a recruit visits a school, the opposing coach cannot recruit those kids at that game. So any recruit coming to visit quote unquote Alabama state cannot go, um, cannot go talk to the opposing coach. Like the Jackson state cannot use this opportunity to, um, to, to recruit these kids in person, you know, that they, they could be swayed by the result on the field, but um none of these recruits can be like actually recruited by anybody on Jackson state staff. So I, I just want to make that clear too that I, I get it. They could be swayed by the results on the field, but they're not allowed. The, the other t- the the away team is not allowed to recruit opposing uh, visiting recruits. So uh, I just I just want to also make that clear because I don't think people knew that was a rule um, either. So yeah, so no actual recruiting by Jackson State this weekend on any of these guys visiting. They may be coming to see Jackson State secretly, but they're not able to talk to those coaches. Uh, publicly this weekend but man to the game there's been a lot of talk about this game to say the least um we know about the picture we know about the trash talk and and the and the spring game result we know what prom said in the press conference about um <laughs> about this being a money game and you know what comes with with, with not all money is good money you know what comes with a money game i just don't know if Alabama State has enough offensive firepower uh, to to even really make this make this a competitive ball game, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, if if D because I, I I talked about this on my last live, the fact that D Davis has been hurt, not been able to build chemistry with his offense, chemistry with his wide receivers, and, and everything like that, I think really takes takes away a big chunk of the potential. Um, 
you know, the, the, the potential of this game. I think Shador Sanders, Wilkerson, Dallas Daniels, you, you look at all the, all the players they have. I just, I just don't think Alabama State's going to be able to hang. Can the defense make it close early? Possibly. But, man, I think Jackson State wins this one convincingly. Um, if I had to put a score on it, I think Jackson State wins this one 55-13 over Alabama State. And, uh, Shad, I, I, or, uh, I'm not, not going to argue with that. They probably are. Um, but it, it's going to be a wild crowd. Uh, I don't know how many Jackson State fans are traveling. From what I heard, and from people I've talked to, there's going to be a lot of Jackson State fans here. But if you're Alabama State, you've got to be balanced. You've got to find a way to protect D. Davis, especially with his injury history. Uh, Ja'Cory Merritt has to be a factor this weekend. It's going to be just hard to establish that. And the one thing that that worries me is that Alabama State was not able to get a ton of pressure, per se, on Quentin, um, Quentin Williams at, uh, at Howard. If you can't get pressure on Shador, he is going to pick you apart. And so I think this is a game that, based on everything Prime's been saying about him wanting to be a real Heisman, uh, Shador being a, high, a real Heisman candidate and stats, he knows he's coming off a of bye week. This could be one they try to make all the lights work on the scoreboard, really and truly. And so I think he's going to leave Shador in late. I think uh, I really do think they're they're going to run it up this weekend. So Jackson State big this weekend. We'll just leave it at that. Southern PV is a game that I'm extremely excited to watch as well. This is this is an elimination game for Southern. If they lose this game, Southern is done for this year. There ain't there's no playoffs. There's there's no SWAC championship. It, it's at all, after the Bayou Classic, you go home. That's really that's really it. And you've already got a loss to Texas Southern. If you lose to PV, it, it's a wrap. Your, your season's over. Like you're not winning the you're not winning the West if you lose this game. And it's duly going back to PV and PV's been playing really well this year. They really have. I understand that people try to take away from what they've done. 34-14 over Grambling last week. They had a 10-point win over um Alabama State. Their two losses were out of conference losses. One was to Incarnate Word, which is a top 15 school, and the other was on was on the road against um Abilene Christian, who let me just say this, they lost 21 to 13. Abilene Christian turned out to be pretty damn good. Abilene Christian sitting at four and one right now and is on the top of the whack um, standings right now and has a chance to potentially get up, get an automatic bid to the playoffs, depending on how that a sun whack auto bid power ranking thing that they're doing works out. The question becomes, can Southern's offense move the football against a really, really good Prairie View defense? That's that's the question for me. Can the front seven hang on against a Southern rushing attack? And is Southern healthy enough to to, to hang into this one? I don't know because every week, man, it seems like Southern's missing another piece to this puzzle. And and the and the question and, and that that's my thing is can McCra- I don't think McCray can carry this team. I really don't. And so I, I just I really worry about. Um, what Southern's going to be this weekend because they haven't shown me anything. Because uh, when I look, they've done it against UAPB, but PV's done it against Texas Southern. They've done it that they've done it against Alabama State. They've they've shown something uh, down the stretch of these games. Their running their running attack has been amazing, man. 
Uh, Antoine, the running back, 355, four touchdowns. Conley has averaged over five yards per carry this season. Jaden Stewart, 165 and three touchdowns this year. They have a stable of running backs and and guys who can get it done with their legs that they could be a problem. I don't think Trazon Conley is going to have to throw much. All if, if Southern can't stop PV's rushing attack, it's a wrap. They have no shot at this game. And I just trust the defense for PV to make enough plays. Johnson at the linebacker spot has been amazing this year. 31 tackles, two sacks this season. It, they're going to be able to play in the backfield of Southern, I think. I don't think the offensive line for Southern has looked extremely dominant this year outside of possibly UAPB. I think PV wins this game. I'll be honest with you guys. I think PV pulls out this game and in Southern seasons early than expected. I got PV winning this one by seven. I just think they, they, they have enough in the tank on both sides of the football to get this one done. And I do have, I, I have the same question, but I don't because they are consistently able to run the ball. Mr. Carey, they are consistent. PV is able to consistently run the football. And right now, as crazy as it sounds, PV's defense has looked better than Southern's this year. So I, I think uh, that's that's my that's my decision here, and also the added motivation for PV to hand Dooley a loss in his return to Prairie View is going to be too much. I just don't think I don't see Southern having enough in the tank to get this one done. I got PV winning by seven this weekend um, over Southern, and PV is what four zero in conference if they win this game. Alcorn, you are on the clock. Alcorn has to keep winning and keep winning and keep winning, and. Uh, if they slip up once before that PV game, and that it, it, the pressure is going to be on moving forward for for uh, for Alcorn State. But man, Norfolk State versus Morgan's my one of my MIAC games. That I really wanted to talk about Norfolk sitting at zero and five, traveling into Morgan, sitting at two and two in the conference opener. If Dawson Odoms goes zero and six with a loss to Morgan. In the conference opener, I cannot imagine w- what the narrative is going to be surrounding this program. I can't, and th- this is this is the worst part. I was taking a look at Norfolk's schedule; they have yet to lose a game by single digits. They lost by they, they lost thirty one to fourteen to Sacred Heart. They lost forty five twenty six to Saint Francis. They lost seventeen to seven by ha- to Hampton. James Madison put 63 on them. Marshall put 55 on them, held them to three points. Norfolk hasn't looked good in any aspect of their game. Uh, the court, the, the, the Citadel transfer, not lived up to the hype for them. Um, uh, I believe it's uh, Coons is the, is the other quarterback. Neither quarterback has looked good, man. They've combined for six interceptions, five touchdowns, and they've both completed less than 53% of their passes. It's a recipe for disaster, and this is an Odom's offense, right? They don't have a single rusher over 150 yards this season. And J.J. Davis, the first-team All-MEAC selection, J.J. Davis has 100 yards on 45 carries, averaging 2.2 yards per touch. It is. It has been a disaster right now this season for Norfolk State. They have they haven't looked good at any aspect of their team, and it's really surprising because I thought they were at least going to be able to hang with with somebody. 
And when you look at when you look at Morgan State, Baker at the quarterback spot has has been a lot better than the first guy they put in Taylor. Five five touchdowns, only two interceptions. He's not very efficient, man. He's only completing about fifty percent of his passes, but they're able to run the football, man. Alonzo Graham is a is a legit number one running back right now for Morgan State. Three thirty nine, six and a half yards per carry, three rushing touchdowns. And he he he's been amazing. And the defense for me is going to be the X factor. The worst matchup in college football is a struggling offense traveling to face a defensive-minded head coach with a with a talented defense. That is a recipe for a blowout. I think Morgan State wins this one convincingly. Give me give me Morgan State by thirteen this weekend over Norfolk State. I don't I don't see how Damon Wilson and the Bears lose this game. Morgan State. Beats Norfolk State, sends them to 0-6, and Morgan takes a step further to competing for the MEAC this year. Now, this is some people's game of the week, I know. FAMU versus South Carolina State this weekend in Orangeburg, and this is a game that is cra- I, I say must win. It's just a must win for the one perception of the programs and two, the momentum and mindset of these programs moving forward. Because a loss here is going to set a precedent moving forward in conference play for both of these teams. And I agree, Lawrence. This is this is a playoff elim- elimination game for FAMU. If FAMU loses or does not look good this weekend, you can kiss the playoffs goodbye. The, the Rattlers are not traveling to southeastern Louisiana or wherever this year. That's an the, the, the season ends at the Florida Classic. If, if they lose this game, and it's still going to be a stretch, but if they win this game, they're still on the right path. Uh, the, my question becomes is which Corey Fields do we get? Do we get the Corey Fields that's inefficient, that is turning the football over, is just doesn't look at controlling the offense, or do we get the Corey Fields that plays confidently, that is a playmaker, that gets it to Shaq Davis on time and, and is actually playing accurate? That's the question. And I really want to know, do they let the backup get any time? The backup had some promising moments against, uh, what was it, South Carolina last week? He has some promising moments. But does 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 he get a shot? And I don't think he does. Kendrell Flowers missed uh, the North Carolina A&T game. He's, he needs to get back and healthy. And the front seven has to play dominant. Against A&T, the front seven outside of B.J. Davis for South Carolina State got pushed around. And North Carolina A&T ran the ball right down their throat. And if you allow FAMU to run the football with Terrell Jennings, with Jalen McLeod, with that stable of running backs, FAMU is running away with this game. And so this is a whole challenge for South Carolina State's front seven. You have to make FAMU throw the football. You have to put, you have to put the ball in Moose's hands and say, you better beat us. Just, just you, Terrell Jennings, all those guys—they're not there. You got to take them away if they're able to be. If they're able to be balanced, work off the play action. Willie Simmons and Jeremy Musa is going to are going to dial up some absolute heat, and they're going to they're going to put it on South Carolina State this weekend. I think when you when you look across the board, I think the defenses are fairly even right now, especially with how they've looked. And I do trust Musa more than I trust Corey Fields. I think FAMU goes into Orangeburg and gets a big win. I got FAMU 23 to 17 over South Carolina State this weekend. I just don't trust I just don't trust the quarterback play for South Carolina State. 
to pull off a win like this, your quarterback is going to have to be efficient. If he's inaccurate, if he's not comfortable in the pocket, FAMU's defense is going to eat him alive. And I just don't know where the mindset of this Buddy Pugh team is right this second. Um, I just, I just don't know. And I don't know if they have a guy who can cover Xavier Smith either. Xavier Smith has been electric this year. 43 catches, 446 yards, and six, and six receiving touchdowns. FAMU's on a three-game winning streak right now. South Carolina State potentially could beat up, be beat up after two consecutive losses, a big loss to South Carolina last weekend. We know that the P5 games, the money games, haven't have a chance to beat you twice. Just like it did with PV last year, AM beat them twice when they lost to Valley due to injuries and due to those players not being focused and, the, and those players being out of position. I think FAMU wins this wins this one. 23-17. They just got too much. They just got too much in the tank right now. So FAMU, Willie Simmons gets the big win over South Carolina State and Orangeburg. Man, let's get to Mr. Ford and then we'll talk about the games of the week. What's up, Mr. Ford? You're live. Hey, listen. Let me turn this down right. Can everybody hear me? Yeah, I can I can hear you. I think the chat can too. Okay, okay. Now let me just tell you this. Uh that's shocking me and I don't understand it. This is with the situation up in Tennessee State. Okay. Eddie Jordan. Eddie Jordan has coached about 15 games, and already the press is saying he needs to be fired? That makes no sense to me. Now, what do you think about that? After 15 games, he should be fired? I don't think he should. But what I was told – I know. That's what I'm saying. What I was told at, so, by someone at Tennessee State is that there's some people behind the scenes that don't like him. And they're oh. pretty much looking for an excuse to get rid of them. And I think it's stupid. Okay. Just in my opinion. Okay. Well, let me tell you the other thing I heard that I thought was crazy and somebody must be taking drugs. They saying Ashley Robinson and Deion Sanders to Georgia Tech as A D and Air football coach. Did you hear that? Yeah, I did. Okay. I thought that was the craziest thing I heard in some years. They already know who they want for the AD. They already got him. I think they're down to three. And from what I'm hearing, they already got the person in mind. So how did Ashley Robinson get in that? Um, okay. I think. Let me go to the. I wrote it down, so I'll be quick. All right. Okay. You you talking about uh, Mercer and Western Carolina. Let me tell you something. Those are two offensive giants. This guy right here, this Drew Chronic. Uh, now, you know his father was a, a high school football legend in the state of Georgia, right? Yes. His daddy's name was Danny Cronick. They were at uh, East Coweta High School. That's over here on the uh, – that's south of Atlanta going down interstate. I think that's 85. Now, his daddy used to send a lot of players to uh, Auburn. Uh, this other guy right here, Kerwin Bale. Both of these guys are going to be offensive coordinators in the next two years at Power Five schools. What you think about that? I love Kerwin Bell. His recruiting. It, if you want a recruiter for the state of Florida, Kerwin Bell is your guy. He he will go. clean up in Florida. And well, let me ask you this: Is the game a sellout yet at, at uh, in Montgomery? Because it should be. Is yeah, it, they have they, sold it out yet. Yeah, they announced it yesterday, I believe. It was a sellout. That's what I thought. 
Because I'm, 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 I'm thinking that, do we think uh, 30 to 33? What you think? How, how many thousand we can get in there? About 33? I think 33. Can we jam 33 to 35? Possibly. I don't know. I know some schools have, like, the roll-in bleachers and, and, like, added seating they can add. But with the way that that stadium sits, I don't know exactly how, how much extra capacity they can hold. Okay, okay. So I guess it's up to the fire marshal then. I would imagine. And also, okay. it depends on how much media, because when you applied for um, – I applied for media credentials. It said that because of the amount of people, they're putting the media mm-hmm. like field level in like a right. terrace spot. We're not even allowed on the field because they're expecting that many people. And also the homecoming court and things like that are also right. going to be on the field. It's going to be right. insane. Well, let me ask you this. I'm thinking maybe 20,000 at the South Carolina State FAM game because I'm, I'm thinking FAM, you're going to travel. So this is a big game for fam. What now? What do you think about that? Uh I think so, and I, I think it's a big game for both teams, especially. Yeah, I do too. But now I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. From what I've seen lately, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go with fam. Now you, I, I have all the respect for Buddy Pugh, but fam is hot offensively right now. They got the backs. Uh, the only thing missing for fam offensively right now is that kid that came down from Pittsburgh. Is he gonna play this week? I can't think. He's from Lakeland, Florida. Um, I'm not sure if he's available or not, but I think most of their running backs are back. So Jennings fully healthy again. McLeod. Yeah, I love Jennings. So they're gonna have a full running back room regardless. And another, the other kid, uh, McLeod. I like him, but with them two big bruises, I, I would like a speed back. And I think that kid from. Uh, Pittsburgh from from the Pitt Panthers that transferred, he gives you um, the speed that 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 thunder and lightning combination. Because Jennings and uh, McLeod are basically bruisers, you know they kind of like straight up the middle uh, in between the tackles. Uh, I'm, I totally agree with you about this Southern this Southern and uh, Prairie View. Let me just say this: if Southern is to have a chance, their defense got to rise up and play. If they don't stop uh, Prairie View's rushing attack, it's all over. Because I'm going to tell you right now, with that rushing attack that Bubba McDowell has right now, if you don't stop them, you will not see the football. Southern's offense will not get off the sideline because he will control the football the whole game. So I'm, I agree with you totally. If if they don't stop Prairie View's rushing attack, it's all over. It's all because I, 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 you know, I heard people criticizing uh, Prairie View when they hired Bubba McDowell. But from what I see, Bubba McDowell is getting Prairie View ready to win championships because he understands rushing attack first and then throw the football. He's not that pass happy throw the ball all over the field like Dooley was. This guy, they better watch. This guy, Bubba McDowell, knows what he's doing. Uh, you are totally correct about this Damon Wilson. Now, I'm, I'm, let me say this again now. Odoms has been at Norfolk now, what, 15 games? How many games has he coached up there? Uh, what, so he had 11 last year, and they're at five, uh-huh. so 16 games. Okay, 16 games, and we already talking about getting rid of him. Uh-uh. 
If there's anybody got to be getting rid of, got to, to be that we need to get rid of, got to do that coaching staff. You got to go back and look at your coaching staff. But getting rid of Odom's after uh, 15 games, 16 games, no, that ain't working. That uh-uh, that's not how you build your program. What he's going to have to do, he's got to take a good hard look first at your defensive staff. Where's your defense coordinator? Is he a plus or a minus? Where's your defensive line? Where's your secondary coach? Where is your special team coach? Okay? Okay. If they are not up to part, then you get rid of them. Then you look at your offense coordinator. You look at your offensive line coach. But just getting rid of Odoms after 15 games, that don't work. No. Uh, let me say that. Blue, anybody got any questions for me? Did anybody want to? Uh, and let me tell you, you got one guy on here saying that, uh, I don't know if it's out to or something. He said something about you don't pick a uh, FCS school over a Power 5 school. That's the stupidest thing I've heard. You know how many people come out of the FCS uh, schools that have done well in the NFL? Look at all them guys. Uh, what's his name? Walter Payton didn't go to a Power 5 school. Jackie Slater didn't go to a Power 5 school. Buck Buchanan didn't go to a Power 5 school. Jerry Rice didn't go to a Power 5 school. Michael Strahan didn't go to a Power school. So what are you talking about? Are you just trolling? What What are you talking about? I saw you, it looked like it said two or something. I, I'm sorry. But anyway, I'm saying, what are you talking about saying that these these people, you don't pick a power, you don't pick a, you don't go to no FCS school over a power five school. What are you talking about? That blue, before I get up, did anybody have any questions for me? Did they want to ask me anything? No, I, I, I didn't see any in the chat. But, yeah, I, I think, I don't know what he was trying to say because I know for a fact that like Cooper cup, I mean, just one yeah. Super Bowl MVP and triple crown. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, you remember Phil Sims, right? Yeah. You remember, you remember Phil Sims? Mm-hmm. He went to Moorhead state. Is that power five? No, they're, and they're, they're, they're not even scholarship. They're non-scholarship. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So that's what I'm saying. What is he talking about? Well, Blue, listen, enjoy it, and y'all have a good night, okay? Appreciate you, Mr. Ford. Okay, all right. Oh, man. But, yeah, uh, Ray, another good one. Tony Romo, and I think they had Tony Romo and Jimmy Garoppolo back-to-back, man. It's crazy. But real quick, man, uh, we're going to finish up with our two FCS games of the week. Call lines are open for calls after this, man. And also, we're just going to get to your comments. We could probably run this about an hour and a half, so about 30 more minutes. Uh, real quick, man, Delaware, William & Mary is the FCS game of the week right now. And this is going to be a battle of, man, Delaware's offensive line against that William & Mary defensive line. You look at Pius, we talked about him earlier, leading the FCS in sacks. They also got an All-American defensive end and Nate Lynn on the other side. And Delaware has allowed double-digit sacks this season. They've, they've had some trouble protecting Nolan Henderson. But when they do, man, Nolan Henderson can be electric. 1,400 yards, 16 touchdowns, four picks. I mentioned he's probably right there behind the top five quarterbacks in the FCS. The, the one question, too, can William & Mary run the football? Bronson Yoder has been amazing at the running back spot. 416, four touchdowns. William & Mary has been one of the strongest rushing teams in the FCS. To keep this short, man, I think Delaware's defense is, has a better chance of slowing down the rushing attack of William & Mary 
and I don't trust Wilson to be able to open it up through the air. I got Delaware winning a close one over William & Mary, establishing themselves as the number one team in the CAA this season. William & Mary probably still going to hang on in the top 25. They're going to play them close, especially at being at home. But I just think Delaware has too much talent in too many places. They have one of the best linebacking cores in the country. Their defensive line has some all-conference guys on it, and their secondary led by FCS All-American Kedrick Whitehead is going to be too much. Now, for Eastern Washington, Weaver State, real quick, the one in three Eastern Washington record um, should, I would say, probably fools a lot of people. They lost two power to two power five schools in that record. But man, I, I think Weaver State has too much on defense. So Weaver State defense is one of the best in the FCS, top 10 in multiple statistics. And I just I, I don't know what to make of Eastern Washington right now. Outside of Gunnar Talkington and that wide receiving core, I just don't think this team lived up to the hype like many people thought they would. Maxwell Anderson for Weaver State in that secondary have been electric. Four interceptions, four-plus pass breakups for Anderson, on top of the safety being all over the field for them. I just think the Weaver defense is going to make it tough for Eastern Washington to move the football, especially on the road. Kicks off at 7 p.m. Central Time. Going to be a night game. Weaver State's defense makes all the difference in the world. Weaver gets a big win over Eastern Washington this weekend, man. So just to recap, for people who um, were not here earlier, the Walter Payton watch list, Tim DeMoret, Lindsey Scott, Shador Sanders are my top three right now. Jaden Sheridan and Hunter Lipke, um, honorable mentions as of right this second. Now for the Buck Buchanan, Patrick O'Connell, John Pius, and Zeke Vandenberg are my top three. Um, we did some blind resumes earlier. Elon Townsend, I'm picking Elon right now. I got South Dakota State over South Dakota, Southern Illinois over Missouri State, Mercer over WCU, Jackson State big over Alabama State, PV over Southern, Morgan over Norfolk State, and then I got FAMU over South Carolina State, Delaware over William & Mary, and Weber over Eastern Washington um, this season. Listen, 30 minutes, man, for calls and comments, anything I want to talk about uh, or want to address. Got 30 minutes. Call the number is 701-779-9585. But I want to get to some of the comments I saw earlier. Uh, Colton wanted to know what's the highest an FCS school ever finished in recruiting rankings. Um, It's hard to tell because, listen, there's been a lot of different sites that have ranked teams. But if I'm not mistaken, Campbell and Jackson State, I believe, set the record last year for the two highest. I think Campbell had one of the highest high school recruiting class in FCS history, while Jackson State had the highest total. The problem is, I don't I, with the with the emergence of the transfer portal, Colton, it really messed up the the recruiting ranking comparisons because back in the day you didn't have a transfer portal to really rate how well the team did in the transfer portal. So a team like Jackson state didn't get credit back in the day uh, for anything like that. So it, it's a different, um, it, I would say it's a different model now, Colton, but right now, if I'm not mistaken, Campbell's on pace right now to finish top 70 in the country for a total class. And that's something that I have never seen happen. They're over multiple Power 5 programs. They're over like 30-plus group of five programs. And Campbell right now leads the rest of the, the closest FCS class is Jackson State right now. And Campbell leads Jackson State's class by almost 30 spots. And it's still missing two three-star recruits. So Campbell's on a pace, Colton, to, to 
probably set the record for the highest rated FCS recruiting class in history right this second, as, as long as everyone stays. They just had a four-star running back commit um, two days ago. I, there's an article on the website about it. So Campbell right now is is on the way to really uh, setting records in that recruiting. Get the likes up, man. Get to get, We got to get up to over 100, man. Get the likes up. Call in number 701-779-9585. Yeah, Campbell's 74th right now in the 247 um, rankings, which is just insane. Weaver's got that Missouri Valley defense going up versus Big Sky Air Raid. They got this game one might be closer than we think. I, it it could be closer, Dave. I just don't know what to make of um, Eastern Washington right now. They they lose to Oregon, they lose to Florida, and then they lose a close game to Montana State. It's like man, they've had they've had a top five hard one of the top five hardest schedules in the country. It's just I don't know how much we've learned about them throughout this season. So. I, I really don't. I really don't know where to where to place Eastern Washington right now until they get into conference play, and they have one of the toughest Big Sky conference schedules um, of the of the year right now. So it would be the second straight year the SWAC would send someone to the playoffs in the Celebration Bowl area. It is important. Yeah, that's if FAMU beat South Carolina State. If FAMU can beat South Carolina State convincingly, they're going to have a shot at the playoffs if they can keep winning out. That's just the question: is can FAMU can can fam can fam you just keep winning and winning by double digits? You know they didn't look overly impressive early against Alabama A and M, but they ended up winning that game by two scores. They can just keep winning by two plus scores all through the year. Um, it's just uh, I, I I just don't can it. Their one game I'm thinking about this coach off the top of my head. Their one game I got questions about potentially Southern if they get it together by the time I think that matchup's November 5th. So, so exactly a month from when it, we're in this, uh, on this show, could Southern give them a run? I don't know, but right now I just don't see anyone on FAMU's, uh, resume, um, I guess future schedule that's going to one beat them or two really pad their resume at all. So we'll see. Uh, let's see. The number of scholarships available for FBS will always give a built-in advantage over FCS. Yeah, because you can only um, you can only sign so many people, man. And so sometimes those an FCS class will have better quality, but due to the fact that FBS teams get more quantity, they get ranked above the F- FCS team. So that that's the that's the downside to the scholarship limit. Well, man, so sometimes those five zero five nine, you're live. Hey Blue, how you doing? It's Ray, man. What's good? Oh, what's good, man? Hey, um, looking at uh, Fordham and Tim Demoret, um, he has one receiver that has about thirty six percent of the entire offense. I can't think of the, the receiver's last uh, name. Uh, yeah, it's like it's, Coco or something. Yeah, it's it's Fotis, like Coco Sulius or something like that. Yeah, it's 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 multiple syllables. Um, he has about 36% of the offense. And I was thinking, okay, this, maybe he's some six foot four, six foot, the guy's five nine. He's five nine, hundred and eighty pounds. What do you know what what's what's the give there? Why is why is he doing so well? What's going on? Why are defenses not defenses are not keying on him? Because he has more receiving yards than the next two receivers combined. Yeah. But hey, let, let me pull him up real quick because Fotis is having a dumb year, but it's really due to he's a bit undersized. 
he's he's five nine one eighty. He's a senior. He's experienced. And just for people in the chat to um, understand understand how good he's been this year, he has forty nine catches for seven hundred and twenty eight yards and eight touchdowns, and is their leading kick returner at three hundred and forty eight receiving uh, return yards. The reason he's so good, if you watch Fordham, their their offensive scheme is extremely. It's one of those where it's so simple, it it confuses defenses, and he they consistently put him in good one on one matchups. And due to him being undersized, he's a hell of a route runner, and will just route people up, find find the hole. And Tim Demorad is so good at putting it exactly where it needs to be. He hits them. And he's able to get some yards after catch as well. And with Fordham's offense pushing the ball down the field, he also has a lot of deep ball opportunities that other wide receivers don't have. But he's a hell of an athlete. And I think he could, at the next level, get a shot to be a slot receiver somewhere in the NFL. Well, the the, the defenses that they're playing against, are they not scheming, trying to scheme him out? Or is it, or is it that uh, Fordham is, that much superior to the defenses they're playing against. Well, he he put uh, Fotis put up four touchdowns and three hundred in their FBS matchup. So I don't think you could say it's just the defense is being that bad. I think it's Fordham's offense being that good. Okay, and now what's the receiver that's coming back for Jackson State um, versus Malachi, Alabama State? Uh, Malachi Wadman. Yes. What, how do you think he's going to perform? It just depends on if he sees the field because he's coming back. He's eligible now. But as anyone who's been a coach, a player at any level, even when you're eligible to come back, you still have to earn your spot. So it depends on how he practiced. Did he outperform Dallas Daniels? Did he outperform uh, Shane Hooks? Did he outperform uh, Powers? Did he outperform um, who else you want to put in there, Rucker or whoever? Did he earn his spot on the field? I think you're going to see him in spots but did he earn enough to be the number one guy in that room? I don't know, especially with him missing time. I don't think they tried to rush him back. So we'll see. I think we're going to see him some, but I don't think he's going to be the number one guy this week. Now, the the, the five-star recruits that's coming to the Alabama State, Jackson State game, in your estimation, what is the likelihood of them selecting Alabama State over the other schools that they have based on your opinion? Um, 20%. I think it's a f- okay. like somewhat fair, maybe a little bit lower at 15. I did hear Smith and Russell are going to weigh an NIL deal in some capacity. I don't know what percentage of their decision is going to be swayed by NIL, I just don't know if Alabama State or Jackson State can match an NIL deal from Bama, from Georgia, from Auburn, or whoever. If if that weighs anything more than like a five percent in their decision, I, I don't know how what, how big of a chance they have at really landing either of these guys. Now the four star from Georgia, Bo Hughley, I think they have a better shot at him. Why is that? He's all he's already kind of looking to flip from Georgia. And okay. I think going to that game, I think he could be easily swayed by the environment. And also he's going to um he's going to 
look for early playing time. And so maybe he sees an opportunity at one of those schools. Hey, uh, thanks, Blue, and um, have a great time at the game this weekend. Hey, appreciate you, man. All right. I agree, Lawrence. Uh, if Stephen F. Austin loses that game, they're not making the playoffs at all, and they're going to be. A, it's going to be a stretch for them to make the playoffs right now. That is not good for North Carolina A and T. Now that Campbell has become an option for kids in that area, I, Mr. Campbell, I mean they're out recruiting A and T by a lot, and A and T going to the CAA already having to deal with Delaware, Villanova, New Hampshire. Now you got to deal with Campbell. Uh, you still got to deal with Monmouth, who just moved up. You still, you, you, there's so many teams. William and Mary, my bad. Richmond, Elon, A&T is looking down the gun of an extreme, uh, uh, down the barrel of an extremely long gun, and saying, "Are we, are we gonna be okay?" And I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if they are right now. Alabama State pulling a NCAA 14 <laughs> Dynasty recruiting. Appreciate it. I'm John on Twitter. I appreciate you, Colton. I didn't know if there was a historic class that was out there for us to catch. If 247 was updated, we'd be in the number 70 slots. Um, I don't think so. I don't think FAMU is receiving votes in the FCS stats perform poll, but I do think, if I'm not mistaken, it's the coaches poll. Yeah. Uh, Willie Simmons is a voter. Um, so let me ask y'all because th- there's been a big debate on Twitter about this. Let me try to find, um, let me try to find the tweet and, and I'll, I want to get y'all's opinion. Do you guys think the media poll or the coaches poll is the most valid way to rank teams? I just want to get y'all's initial opinion. Then I want to kind of update you guys uh, on like what the, what the actual like debate is about it, because uh, there's a lot of coaches who do vote for um, their own school. So I just want to see: Do you guys think the coaches' poll is the one that should be used, or the or just the like media poll that has representatives from every conference and also some national voters? Let's see. Um, it's an interesting thing. Go FBS to Amelia. Go FBS probably not start for years. Uh, media poll, media poll, coaches, media. Honest coaches poll. That's what the FCS uh, playoff committee uses. Yeah, I mean, I, Lawrence, I knew they used it. I, I was just, um, I was just, I was just wondering uh, what people think. Let's see the media poll because the coaches never watched the games in the SID. Thank you, Mister Campbell. I was about to say that's that that's where the argument came in. Media coaches, coaches, blue, you got me for this. Coaches, ball, I don't think most media does more than watch stats. Both could be biased, but. Okay, so here was the argument. Sam Herter um, went on Twitter and, and was like upset about this, but he was saying that he thought it was it was wild because the um, the quote that people say, "Well, coaches know more about football than the media, so it's the best one." But his argument was, "How many coaches actually watch any amount of football on a given weekend when they submit their ballots on a Sunday?" Because our coaches watching sixty plus FCS teams are keeping up with any of the the action, even watching highlights, even keeping up with even stats, like you said, um, in this comment. So there was like a big debate on Twitter about whether coaches actually even do anything. And like Mr. Campbell said, a bunch of people came out and said that the co- the coaches poll a lot of the SIDs um, 
filled them out and that uh, really and truly they're not they're not actually watching. So you had a situation the other the other year where a team was getting votes in the top 25 that had like a one in something record because there were like there was a coach who was voting teams that had that that were on his on his schedule to try to boost up their ranking for when they played them. And it, it was like a whole a whole thing. But yeah, I agree. Um, ESPN does use the coaches poll when, when they do it. Uh, the media will resort to just other media reports. I think I, and, and I want to go back to say like there's no perfect top 25. I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. I'm just saying um, I think I, I think it's interesting just to just distinction that um, I just want to see what people's perception works. I thought it was a very interesting debate um, about that. Uh, Blue Bo Hughley's go to uh, uh, with JSU's commit Robert Lockhart might have a leg up. Yeah, I agree. A coach does not have time to watch games. It's already been proven with a power five coach. Had no idea he voted a certain team. Coaches don't have the time. Um, yeah, media is probably more objective. Yeah, uh, I, I think there's bad and good voters on every poll. But yeah, Mr. Campbell, that's the thing is, man. After I coach a game, man, I ain't I ain't trying to go watch you know all, all these other games. So I thought it I thought it was extremely interesting how. Uh, uh, let's see what is Minter saying to these guys. No one knew who Campbell was a couple of years ago. So, just uh, let me go forward. Just to let y'all know the coach's corner special guest. If you weren't here early, me and Coach Fred talked to safeties coach uh, Patrick Miller from Campbell. He's he's the lead recruiting analyst on that team too. He was part of the ULM staff that put together the um, the number one Sunbelt Sunbelt recruiting class. And he's one of the main people who put in this new Campbell recruiting um, attack or, or, or advance or whatever you want to call it. So I got some answers on this episode for you, Sonic. But when we talked to, we talked to coach uh, Miller. He's he was the lead recruiter on four star miles Rouser. He was the lead recruiter on Edric Weldon, the, the flip from the three star flip from Florida. So we're going to get some answers on the recruiting strategy for Campbell um, that we haven't had recently. What's good, Reese, man? Appreciate you tuning in. Blue, I think those five stars will shock the world. Their teachers graduated from ASU. The place where they trained is filled with Bama State. Coach J.J. Jackson has has been in those boys' ears. I've been hearing that um, the five stars are strongly considering, and someone uh, s- someone reached out to me um, after this all came out and said that Alabama State was trying to come together with some sort of NIL deal to offer them. I can't imagine it's going to be a third of what probably Bama's throwing at either of these guys or Auburn or Georgia or whoever you know, else is in their top six. I think Clemson maybe. It's, it can't be a third, but I wonder if if they like Alabama State, if everyone's kind of pushing them in that direction, D.C., I wonder if just a simple NIL offer – would sway them at all. That's the question for them. And I, I can't speak to what these, what these young men are looking for or, or how much they're asking for. But I, I would say it would be because I get it. Travis Hunter, number one recruit in the country, flipping to Jackson state, joining coach prime was a world like shook the world, shook the college football world. I know neither of these guys are the number one recruit in the country, but you can make an argument. And I believe this. If, Quay Russell and James Smith or either one went to Alabama State, it would be a bigger deal than Travis Hunter flipping to Jackson State to go with prom because people can understand 
could say, okay, I get it. Prom, it, uh, we get it. But if Eddie Robinson Jr., who was drug as a, as a coaching hire that had zero head coaching experience, goes out in his first ever recruiting cycle and grabs two five stars or one of them, I really do. I really do think that would be a bigger deal than what happened last year. I think Alabama State landing either of those five stars would be way bigger than Travis Hunter flipping to Jackson State. I'm sorry, I do because of the because of the surrounding circumstances. The fact that Eddie Robinson Jr. got two five stars to commit to Alabama State over over Alabama and. Auburn and, and all the in-state schools that wanted the two number one prospects in the state of Alabama out of Carver, it, it would be that that would shake the world, man. Especially when it wasn't Jackson State either. Oh, it would be it would be insane. It would be absolutely insane. And it two four seven and all in three and all of them would shut down if that happened. Thankfully, we had the playoffs to help correct the ranking flaws. The BSS nonsense ruined a lot of title games. Coach Simmons always says, "Fam, you in his top twenty-five." <laughs> Campbell has beat FBS programs. Troy is to be uh, the FBS is moving to a 12 team playoff in a few years. Leonard uh, Troy is super trash. I don't know if the media listen. I don't know if the media watches all the games. I know for me, I, I, I watch as many games as I can. I think I, the argument Sonic Boom would be the media watches more games than the coaches on average, regardless if it's all the games. You, it's impossible to watch every single game any any given weekend. You just don't have enough hours. But I do think the media, on average, watches more games than the coaches do. I'd select the coaches' poll, but it'd be biased. Oh, 100% believe that would be the biggest recruiting story ever. Hey, sometimes folks want to be big fish in a small pond. They could be a five-star and start at Jackson, but maybe they want to create their own legacy and be a catalyst of a school uh, becoming great. Uh, two is better. Fair take. Only takes a few years to turn a team from so-so to top five solidly. Those kids uh, – Carver High School is a mini ASU. Yeah, I, listen, I'm from Alabama. I I got a bunch of people. I, I know a bunch of people up in Montgomery, um, but they won't get the notoriety Travis got. I mean, I'm not sad. I'm not saying that it's like their brand is any bigger than Travis. I just think pe- people knew what Prom was going to do recruiting wise. I mean, they they understood that players were going to want to play for Prom. And they got the number one recruit to flip, not taking anything away from that storyline. But for but Eddie, okay, yeah, uh, but Eddie Robinson Jr. landing two in-state five stars. Come on, man, that that, that is ridiculous. That, that there is no chance. And if I would have if I would have bet money that they'd be in the top six, no one would have bet me that. Nobody would have bet me that at all. I'm in this chat with a bunch of dudes. We bet looking at how much more Mr. Talent JSU had versus old Mr. And that time USM was the dominant uh, PWI in the state. Uh, I must have missed that beginning conversation of that one. I ain't gonna lie. But man, um, listen, uh, we're gonna do ten more minutes, man. Seven zero one seven seven nine nine five eight five. Nothing is bigger than the number one recruit. I'm, I th- Kevin. I think you're. I think you're missing it, but I, I feel you. And but. How how amazing would it be for the SWAC though for three potentially three five stars going to the SWAC within within a two year period? I, I mean, even even like the old heads like Mr. Campbell and everyone um, would, would would say. I mean, no one ever would have thought that would that would happen. Titus Howard has to step up and help. 
he's the most recent first round pick from the swag. Yeah, because he was the offensive tackle for um, Alabama State. I wonder how any Alabama State fans in here. What? Um, how involved is Titus Howard at, at Alabama State? I just I just want to know if anyone knows how involved he is. Let's see the weather. Let's see Lawrence. The weather report in Macon is sunny, 8% chance of rain, 81 degrees on Saturday in Montgomery. Let's see. He put me on the spot, man. I got to get my weather out together. Saturday, 80 in Montgomery, man, 8% chance of rain, all based on my app, man. So zero chance of rain if wherever I'm going this weekend. Do not worry. Uh, let's see. Cloudy with 100% chance of <laughs> Mr. Care, I love that answer. It's hard to get those Mississippi kids to come to Jackson State. Was it uh, – didn't the number one receiver in the state end up committing to uh, Southern Miss, if I'm not mistaken? I think his name um, – I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, he was he was, a, he was the four-star wide receiver, and I think he's from, like, Jackson. Like, I think he went to the same high um, – Aiden Williams, I believe was his name, or Aiden something – I think he he had Jackson State in his final three and ended up committing to Southern Miss instead. So I, I don't know. I it, I guess I I can't speak for any kid, but I was saying I, I still think Jackson State is probably a better destination right now than um than Southern Miss, just in my opinion. Was that Spencer? Uh, well, hang on. NIL was supposed to help small schools like these. Admit players can at least consider different schools. Yeah. That was a uh, that that was the goal at least. We'll we'll see if um we'll, we'll see if it continues, man. I think the transfer portal also helped that too. Sonic Boom. What about getting a bunch of lower star kids and molding them into four and five stars is riskier than getting a five star who may declare the next year. Guys, just four to five years. Generally wondering. It just depends on the program, Dave. Um, I think what people get confused with is a successful recruiting strategy a successful developmental program for one one program is not always going to work for another so like north dakota state's program and what they do would not work at jackson state what jackson state does would not work at north dakota state vice versa elon's recruiting strategy would not possibly work at mercer you can just keep going down the line i just think each school has to find their lane, their get their strength and conditioning, get their developmental um, program up, everything. I, I just think each school has to do what's best for them. I don't think you can base what you need to do um, ba- uh, uh, off of another school. Uh, let's see. Yes, Isaiah Spencer. Oh, okay. Aiden went to Ole Miss. My bad. Yeah. So Aiden went to Ole Miss, and then Spencer was the one that went to USM, right? Most Mississippi kids look up with Shea Hodge and he gets some free scholarships to Ole Miss. Mm. Isaiah Spencer committed to USM. He's going to JSU homecoming. I think he'll flip. He already had JSU um, top three. Did you see Shador over there practicing at 1 a.m. in the morning with his receivers? I love it, man. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Prom, I don't know if it was at the press conference or a video I saw, was, was talking about him traveling back and doing that. Man, the, the, the dedication to be a top athlete, man, is – is imp- I don't think people understand what it really takes to be at the highest level at any level to be the best FBS quarterback, FCS quarterback, or whatever. I don't think people understand the dedication and the commitment that you really and truly have to have. 
Uh, JSU should have two. Coleman should have been a five. Okay, I, I want to I want to dispel this rumor real quick. And, and I, I mean, I'm not talking just directly to you, but people, what happens with what happens with recruiting sites is people will look at one recruiting site and see their stars, and when another recruiting site doesn't have it, they think that they dropped after. Um, they committed. So if you if you, rivals has a recruiting ranking tracker where it tracks by month where recruit ranked when they update their recruiting rankings. Kevin Coleman was a five star up until September. So Kevin Coleman dropped from a five to a four star in September. That was months before he committed to Jackson State. And on signing day, tra- um. Kevin Coleman actually jumped nine spots in the rankings from 61 to 50 on rivals. So when he committed to Jackson state, he actually moved up in the rankings in terms of wide receiver. They did not drop Kevin Coleman because he committed to Jackson state. He was a four star for over four months before he went to Jackson state. They, and people forget they update these rankings throughout the high school career. So if you, if a kid's a five-star going into a senior year, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a five-star post-senior year. Kids have breakout years, and they can only have so many five-stars in a class, so there's going to have to be some hard cuts somewhere. So the idea that people are getting dropped because of where they committed is true in some senses, but Kevin Coleman is not one of those sonic boom. That He was he dropped down to a four-star everywhere about June to to about September across the different recruiting platforms and when they um when they updated their rankings so that Col- Col- Coleman didn't get dropped and I know you were saying he should have been a five that's debatable um but I, I think a four star and a five star man there's really not a huge difference in, in the grand scheme of things really that's fair I didn't really think how things work for each school figure is kind of similar for all schools to a point there's some things that um that are transferable, Dave, but I think there's some things that make each school special. Like um, North Dakota State recruiting a, a Hunter Lipke is – I don't think Hunter Lipke is who he is unless he goes to North Dakota State, if that makes sense, Dave. Definitely like the stream, man. We should be way over 150 by now, man. Get the, get the lights up to over 150. Yes, perfect. ESPN has always had Travis at number two. They had the kid that went to Ohio State number one all season long. He was number one on 247 the entire time. I just I saw way too many people saying that this recruiting site was doing this and this recruiting site was biased and none of none. And it's like, bro, you're looking at the wrong thing. You were looking at the completely wrong site. You, he was number two for ESPN forever. It's like it, they're not just they're just not uh, dropping people for any uh, reason. No, so you don't you don't um, you don't drop just for committing it. They just redid the rankings right before signing day day. That's all it was. Um, ESPN and two four seven are not the same exactly. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. Please stop looking at ESPN's recruiting rankings. If you're going to look at recruiting rankings, two four seven rivals and on three are the only three recruiting rankings you should look at. If you're still looking at ESPN for recruiting rankings, you're doing it wrong. ESPN does not have real talent scouts. Two four seven on three and rivals sends people to every school in the country monthly, weekly to every game to scout these guys and give them ratings. So use one of the valid recruiting sites. Stop 
stop looking at ESPN, man. What? Listen, if y'all need if y'all need a one dollar subscription for on three two four seven, man, let me know. I got y'all. Stop using ESPN, man. It is atrocious. Just like Robert Lockhart uh, is a four star for me. Uh, let's see. I want to say ESPN or someone did a story on how recruits get to star ratings. East State can only have a certain number. Exactly. Thank you, Coco. Perfect. All rankings back in the day when you made exactly man, Mr. Campbell. I don't think um <laughs> I don't think I think the first class on 247 was like 03 or something like that. So back in like the 90s, man, you just you had to find the newspaper and and who and who was all state and who was all district and all that. Um, I don't even take ES man, I don't I don't look at ESPN's recruiting rankings. If you, if someone presents me ESPN recruiting rankings, I throw it in the trash. That, that's how we do it. Uh, parade all American. <laughs> I, I agree. Davidson's still going to win the Pioneer. Two four seven and rivals best in my opinion. I I definitely agree. Don't tell my employer that I'm just a producer, so I guess I could say that. But two four seven rivals on three are are the best ones. Uh, let's see. All 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 ESPN rankings are man everything NBA rankings MLB rankings. This is terrible. Um. I'll be expecting my subscriptions tomorrow. I'll take it back. <laughs> oh man, two four seven has the best composite score method methodology. Yeah, so on three, so on three and two four seven are the only two that have composites. So when y'all hear me talk about a recruit, usually I'll always use either the two four seven composite or the on three composite. So what the composites do is they take everyone, including ESPN. So on three and two four seven take rankings from ESPN themselves and the other two recruiting sites and average them all together. And that's where you get the composite ranking. And that's also where some of the confusion comes in. So people who are saying quote unquote, this player lost a star, well, sometimes that happens because you're looking at the composite and two of and two of the other sites dropped the kid and the other ones kept them the same. And so he could be a composite five star and all it takes is one one site to drop him and he might be a composite um, four star instead. And so that's where you sometimes see the the, the rankings get confused. So I just think people uh, – people have to actually understand the recruiting rankings before we can go out and say that they're targeting players at FCS programs and, and things like that um, in terms of dropping stars. Like you got to make sure you, where were they a five star or where were they a four star? And did they redo the rankings and get dropped because of anything? You got to look at their stats compared to the players that got put above them. You got to do a lot of research before you can just say, man, they're taking stars from people. Uh, I'm just wondering if JSG wins out all season, like dominating as Dion says, what you say is next for them as a program. Uh, you know, and I, I don't know if you guys watched the round table last week. I know, but y'all got to get off my guy, Scotty. Y'all have to get off my guy, Scotty. Listen, still tune into the round table. I know some of y'all don't watch it and tune into the round table. We had a great discussion about what prom said about the Hosman, about the playoffs and things like that. And, this is um, this is just my opinion and my speculation. Prom is always the type of guy who is looking for the next big thing. He's always looking for the next thing he could achieve, the next thing to 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 take his to take himself, his brand, whatever, to the next level. And I think the reason that he's bringing up the Heisman, the 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 reason that um, 
he's bringing up the playoffs is because he understands that Shador is going to win the Walter Payton either this year or next year. If I had to bet, Jackson State's probably going to win the Celebration Bowl either this year or next year. That's probably going to be this year if you had to, if you had to ask me. Um, what's next? If they go undefeated, win the SWAC championship, Shador wins to Walter Payton, and they win the Celebration Bowl, what's next for that program? There always has to be a next goal for Prom Man. He's not someone who's going to be sedentary and be happy with just achieving the same thing over and over and over again. There's got to be the next goal. And so I think he's bringing up the Heisman because he needs Shador to have a next goal. I think he's bringing up the playoffs, getting their financials in order, putting pressure on them to fix the playoffs because once he wins the celebration on the SWAT championship, he's going to he's going to ha- he's going to have to have something to, to to strive to win next, and that's the national championship. And so I think. I think he's very strategic. Everyone in the chat knows he's he's strategic. He's not bringing stuff up just for fun. And I'm I'm going to be really really interested to see um what's next for him, man. Bryce, uh, Bryce, shoot me a text after the show, man. Um, I think I'm going to be I think I'm going to be making the trip up to Macon this weekend. Um, if if my plans in Montgomery fall through, so shoot me a text, man. Um, and we're gonna have to meet up when I get when I get to Macon, man. I'm excited to see that Mercer WCU game. That's definitely one of my FCS games to watch this week, man. Appreciate you tuning in, Bryce. Uh, there's some method to his madness. Next, repeat a celebration bowl champs, man. Okay, so Sonic Boom. Here's let me just put it this way: the reason I don't ask that is because there's already so many people in the pre- um there's so many people in the press conferences that already ask out of pocket questions and um they all they already don't focus on the games. I don't know if y'all have noticed, and, and someone mentioned it in the comments of uh the the press conference this week for the prom video I posted. They um they said that no one asked prom about the games anymore. They don't ask him, how are you preparing for Alabama State or, you know, your team's performance this or they don't ask any X's and O's question. All the all the questions for prom are hypotheticals or trying to get the the headlining quote or trying to get the click. So you can you can you can put um, oh, coach prom said this or Deion Sanders said this or or whatever. I, I think there needs to be more media asking the X's and O's question. And that's where I, that, that's where I come in. I think there's too many people already in the press conferences focused on, on an agenda asking, asking questions that have really and truly have nothing to do with week six of college football or week seven of college football. I just, I mean, they're just asking random hypotheticals for articles that they can write on nothing that, that don't matter at the end of the day. Man, everyone's chasing the headline. Everyone's chasing the clicks. Everyone's chasing the views. And for me, I just think there needs to be more people. There needs to be more people in the press conference asking legit questions. So the past two weeks, I haven't been able to be there. The, uh, two weeks ago, I had to do something for on three during the press conference. And so I wasn't able to attend. And this week, uh, my grandmother um, had some things come up. And so I wasn't able to attend this week. I was, uh, um, I, I, I was having to handle some stuff with her, some family stuff. So this week I'll be in the press conference again. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, I've always asked about a certain player, always ask about something that happened relevant to the game. I just, I, I don't understand why more people uh, don't jump in there and actually want to talk football. It's always coach, man, did you hear what, uh, did you hear what this person said about you or, 
coach, uh, you know, you said this about the Heisman or coach, you said this on social media. And it's like, man, what about the game? Like, bro, they played a whole game two weeks ago and not a single person asked him about a damn thing about what happened on the field. And it's like, what are we doing here? So, I mean, they're just tossing them just BS questions. I'll, I'll say it, DW. They're, t- they're tossing – and it's not just prom. It's all the coaches, man. There's some coaches that just get in there and they just get, get not a single damn question about the game. And it just yeah, – I, I don't understand it. But that's my soapbox real quick. Sorry about that. I just, I just, had, to, uh, I just had to throw that out there. Uh, Coach Prom is interested in playoffs yet. What's next is Heisman FCS competition, potential FBS opponent – um <laughs> man he was upset about that he said he ain't even gonna say bye oh man i was dying about that one i bet bet sonic boom man send them to me and um i'll get them in there for you for parity's sake what conference does jacks go to if they leave the swag to play in the playoffs um yeah, dave if, if if jackson state leaves the swag they're they're going to the uh they're going to that they're going to a group of five i don't see jack state leaving for an fb an, an F, fcs conference uh no not touching that one uh i wanted i wanted you to ask him if, if the slow start was just a team needing to settle down that that is a good question he said that's why you can ask about though see that's relevant if we're at the end of the celebration bowl um then yeah that, that th- there you go perfect because the playoffs are next the season's over and um i've already talked to the to the um, promoter or whoever's over the celebration bowl. I will be on radio row at the celebration bowl. So I'll have player interviews, coaches interviews live from Atlanta at the celebration bowl. So stay tuned for that. Oh, uh, let's see. He said, I'll start filling in for you. <laughs> Can JSU drop some out of conference opponents for better opponents next year? I don't think so. I think they would have to buy out of the contract. I don't know what the contracts say. Each out of conference or um, agreement for non conference games um, are different. But the problem is, is they have an out of conference game with Southern they can't back out of. They're in the MEAC SWAC challenge for the other one, and they have an FBS game. So I don't see Jack State backing out of any of them next year. 2024 is the first year that they can really be flexible with their schedule. Call it what it is. Um, we'll put they were getting at Hugh in that press conference. I agree. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Uh, that's because maybe three folks who are on the conference call even know football and I'm being nice to say three um oh hang on, well, hang on real quick Bryce I hang on bro I'm gonna get to you man I, I closed the call lines there for a second man let, let me uh let me open them back up I got you man there is one other participant in the conference yes I got you what's good Bryce you're live Awesome, man. Hey, look, appreciate you doing this. I uh, wanted to tune in and uh, talk. I know y'all talking a little bit about Jackson State, but I kind of wanted to go over to the SOCON a little bit. Um, because, look, I mean, this is a race uh, that is going to be interesting. And you kind of pointed out, uh, man, and also hope to see you in Macon. Uh, but you kind of pointed out that, you know, this is something where, for Western Carolina, kind of a de facto elimination, already one and one of the conference. Um, you know, if they lose this game, but they kind of have a SOCON shaking out. But, you know, last year, uh, and obviously maybe a little bias on my part, being a part of Mercer's radio team, you know, we kind of got shut out because we did play in NAIA school. But how many teams you see uh, kind of potentially making a run at, uh, in, in the playoffs out of this conference? I mean, Chattanooga is obviously very, very good uh, defensive football team. Mercer has shown a lot more balance. Stanford has shown defense that has not been seen uh, really in quite some time. So uh, just kind of want to get your thoughts on this conference and, uh, you know, uh, where you see it kind of going and how many teams feasibly you think uh, could get into the playoffs out of the SOCON? 
I, right now, there's a good chance you potentially could get three. If if depending on how it works out, because you're looking at how top heavy that conference is, especially with ETSU being what they were, but Sanford emerging what they were voted to finish second to last in the conference, and they're a top yeah. 15 team right now. And then Mercer, I, their emergence has a lot to do with Fred Payton taking a giant leap forward in terms of just passing and taking taking care of the football. And then Chattanooga with the defense, the rushing game, all three of those teams are playoff teams. And it just is going to come down to avoiding the SOCON being the SOCON and not losing a game you're not supposed to, not getting upset by the Citadel, not getting upset by VMI or WCU this weekend in terms of Mercer. It, that's what it's going to come down to, Bryce. And so I think right now, three. And if I had to pick a winner, I do think Mercer's coming out of that um, conference. I think Mercer is going to win the SOCON this year. I picked them in, I, for, I, I think, May is when I did my way too early. Conference champions, love it right there, man. Uh, but I think Bryce dropped off the call. Bryce, you can call back in, man. Um, I got the call line staying open. You can call back in if you didn't mean to hang up. But, yeah, I got three playoff teams for the SOCON right now. And so does Lawrence, Chatt- Chattanooga, Mer- Mercer, and uh, Sanford. Let me get back to these uh, comments. You see, and that's what um, – this is what gets me, too. And, and, you know, I had to sit in the back two weeks ago because I was working, but I wanted to to listen. All right, Bryce just called back in. And then, Mr. Campbell, I'm going to really address this comment. You're back on, man. I'm going to really address this comment. Bryce, you're back. You're back. Oh, awesome. Can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear, man. Perfect. No, perfect. Um, no, I didn't mean to drop off that call, but uh, no, I mean, look, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I think the interesting thing going into this game and just kind of watching some stuff, um, look, I mean, I've already got the chance to watch Western Carolina up close uh, with them playing Georgia Tech earlier in the year. Uh, listen, Carlos Davis, uh, you know, under Kerwin Bell, the guy's got an offense. And with Kerwin Bell, you know, I was at Valdosta State when he won uh, the Division II National Championship a couple years back. This is an offense, once you get the athletes in there and the playmaking, it will take over. Um, they, I, I truly do believe that's going to be a team that we're going to see in the next three to five years as he continues to build. Uh, one, no one wants to go up to Coloway. I've been up there. Uh, it's a tough place to play in the middle of the mountains. You know, so I think that that's a, that's a team that we're going to continue to see improve. Uh, but kind of going back to, you know, what you're talking about with Mercer and everything, and I think I can obviously speak to Fred Payton. You know, I was talking about that on the broadcast uh, this past week. Look, Mercer is obviously a run-first team, but for them to take the lead they have in the passing game, more comfortable under Drew Kronick, uh, has really stood out. Um, and I think it makes them more dynamic especially going into the Chattanooga game uh, and against some of these, uh, you know, more staunch defenses because you can't just key in on one guy. And, uh, man, look, I, if you get to come on Saturday, you'll get to see the Devron Harper show transfer from Gardner-Webb in year two in this offense. Man, the kid is electric. Uh, so, that, you know, they've got a lot of weapons. Um, so I, I think it, it's going to be an exciting rest of the way to go. And, and Mercer has the tools to be able to do it. But, look, Chattanooga in that stadium uh, is going to be a fun road game. Um, then you obviously still have Furman, who's not out of it, obviously. One conference loss, uh, suffering a tough loss this past weekend. Uh, but, look, I mean, it's still kind of a fun conference. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see where these teams go. 
I know I saw some of the comments say, you know, they'll be done after the first round, and maybe so. But uh, the kind of the only hope is, you know, you don't you don't want these teams to beat up on each other too much, because uh, that can't kind of think that's obviously what happened last year. Mercer dropping that critical game to VMI down the stretch. So appreciate it as always, man. I will purposely drop off the call now and uh, <laughs> let you continue your show. But yeah, man, this is awesome, and I'll definitely keep tuning in. Hey, appreciate you, man. Um, I'll, I'll I'll shoot you a text after this. I should know by tomorrow morning whether I'll be a Macon or Montgomery man, but if I make it out there to the game, I'll definitely let you know, and uh, we'll have to catch up over there. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it. Yep. Later, man. My guy Bryce also works at two four seven for Georgia Tech. Um, I told y'all it's my guy over there, but been on the show multiple times covering Georgia Tech. Also, color commentator over there, Mercer man. Shout out to my guy Bryce. Bryce Kuhn, um, uh, Mercer lost is how FAMU got in the playoffs. You're right, Mr. Campbell. Fam, FAMU is a big Mercer fan. Uh, they they allowed to uh, <laughs> they allowed y'all to get in there, and uh, I don't know. Maybe y'all didn't want to be in there after what happened, but I understand. I agree. Listen, Sonny Boom. I don't think I don't think non football questions are the problem for me. It's just the amount of them, and then sometimes people like. Non-football questions are, are are cool. The one issue I have is when it's clear people are fishing for a certain answer that they want, and that's where that's where it gets me. Is like they know the exact headline they want to get, and know exactly what the answer is going to be, and they know exactly what you know someone's going to say, and so they ask it knowing that it's going to be a perfect soundbite, and you know because we're we're what. Was it now two or three weeks where this exact same Hosman question was asked just so people can write more about Shador and the Hosman? It's like, okay, bro, you've asked this three straight weeks in three different ways, and he's giving you the same damn answer. So I just, I don't know. I get what you mean. I think some are okay. I just think there's, uh, there's too many at times, and there's ones that are repetitive and, and, look like fishing and this is what gets me and you know i didn't i I haven't been there the last two weeks i was in the background two weeks ago while i was working i wanted to hear what they had to say but there are anywhere between just to give you all some behind the scenes there are anywhere between 30 to 50 something people in these in these chats and just to give you all a perspective there's 30 to 50 in in the swag um in the swag media chat that week i went to the ovc and got to talk to eddie george there were eight people in that in that press conference Eight people w- were in that press conference, and there are like 40 plus, 30 plus every week in the swag. And it's the same like six people asking a question because, of course, there's some people in the chat that cover a certain team. So there's one guy in there who works for a newspaper or radio station in Baton Rouge, and he consistently asks Southern questions, and he consist- consistently asks whoever Southern's playing. I get that person. He has a job. He's there to cover two teams, one of his home team and whoever they're playing that week. But there's a lot of national guys, and there's a lot of YouTube – not YouTube. I'll call them analysts, YouTubers, whatever you want to call them – in that chat that's chill in the back and are not, don't ask any questions. And it's just frustrating. It's like you've got the – you got the opportunity to be in here, use it and further your career and and ask some damn questions, man. Um, ask some questions. Don't just sit there in the back and 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 just what we just stand at the computer. Like I don't understand why you're in there because they send you the recording afterwards. If you're not going to ask anything, just just wait till Andrew Roberts emails you the thing. And man, shout out to Andrew Roberts for letting me be in there. Um, let's see. I don't know what kind of media covers the Swag Weekly press conference. 
Um, there's there's local reporters like newspapers and local radio stations. Then there's like the Dr. Cavill's HBCU sports, HBCU game days, and and things like that. James, <laughs> shout out to James Hill, man. Don't don't be. <laughs> oh, don't be like that. Um, no, Jersey. I think. Uh, it depends on what you consider Southern. I mean, I think the SoCon is probably the number one. I mean, Southland's right there, too. So probably one of them uh, would be my choice. Uh, Prom needs to campaign for a lower mandate. Texas State is in 2023 also. Um, what about the 12th? The, the 12th game's not added to, I think, 2024, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think the spring game soundboard question was out of bounds. It led to a great soundbite. <laughs> Man, I closed the call lines, Mr. Cameron, because I just didn't think anyone was calling in. So I, that was my bad, Bryce. I've, all, I've only heard you, Dr. Cavill, and that's all I can think of that's real football questions. Um, ESPN was pissed me off during the UCF game. What were they doing, Sonny? Because remember, I was doing the roundtable during the UCF game, so I was just kind of watching out of the side of my eye. Uh, I think not. I already got that. Let's see. Non-football questions are okay if they're relevant to the current things with the program. The problem is you get these women to say, ask some pointless questions. <laughs> yeah, how's my question? It was too much, but someone had to ask the homecoming one. Yeah, the homecoming one makes sense because it, it's like relevant to the game that week. Um, same people every week. Sign the boom, you already know. It, come to come, come to SWAT Media Day, man. We, we're uh, definitely, definitely uh, meet up. We'll, we'll do a collab or something, man. You're only in it for clout. Uses use the raise your hand feature. <laughs> oh man, which is you and everyone at the Blue Bloods as well. <laughs> y'all are y'all are out, bro. Y'all are y'all are out of pocket on that one, James Hill. We already know his introduction for Vanna the Blue Bloods. I'm gonna start calling in your show with James Hill. <laughs> oh man, he, he's gonna call in. This is Mr. Campbell. Um, I, I, Blue. I hope you and everyone in, in the Blue Bloods uh, LLC is doing well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I had to work on my intro, man. Listen, he had his down. Dr. Cavill has has his down. You know, the only person I won't say where I'm from, even though I know they know, I'm just a little bit paranoid still, is um, <laughs> when I ask prom questions, the, the, the two times, you know, I've been in there and I got to ask prom a question, I don't say, hey, this is Zach McKinnell from the Blue Bloods because I'm so worried that their SID, who already won't respond to me, is going to, like, click me off the call and I'm going to get booted all of a sudden. So maybe I can fly under the radar. They, they don't know exactly who I am. I can still get my questions off. Everyone else, cool with knowing where, where I'm from and who I am, but as long as it ain't as long but when it's prom i'm so worried that you know Dwayne in the back's gonna gonna kick me out of the chat man because I, I still can't get a hold of that dude man i'm talking about 15 emails three voicemails and, and the dude will not respond but i bet you he's not leaving the pregame show i bet you he's not leaving hbcu game day i the the dude needs a new email i'll just say that it is ridiculous the most unprofessional thing i've ever seen uh, they need a Sandman feature for every person who has a question that's utterly pointless. Is like not today. <laughs> oh man, JSU plays too much safety to not have a sub four through safety with some height. The game kept freezing. Oh, okay. I I didn't. You see, I didn't watch it like live. I was I was in the uh the round table. Tell us about your last outing. <laughs> can, can you please start us out with a short statement about your team's last outing against Team XYZ? Uh, hey, they got to. I love how it's just consistent. Listen, you get to open the statement, you raise your hand features. Hey, it's it's organized to say the least. Uh, get your name out there. Say this is Zach. No, Zach. 
Oh man, Dr. Phil came out. If you don't, I can't ask another question if you don't mind. I got to give Dr. Cavill credit. Let me just say this: we already know how what amazing work he does. Every single coach from UAPB to Texas Southern to Jackson State to FAMU, Dr. Cavill has three, two to three questions on hand every single press conference. Man, listen, legit. Uh, I got to I got to give Dr. Cavill his flowers, man. That guy stays prepared, man, and I, he does an amazing job. And he 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 deserves a lot of credit for for all the work that uh, that he puts into his show. But listen, guys, approaching hour two, man. I was supposed to shut this thing down thirty minutes ago. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Hit the like button on your way out. Subscribe if you're not subscribed. Tomorrow. Um, I think it's 7 p.m. Central Time, the roundtable with Scotty. We're going to be talking all HBC football across the board. Big week. I think his game of the week is PV Southern, so we'll definitely be breaking that one down. And, man, appreciate appreciate all of y'all again. Listen, we're approaching a million views on this channel since I started. Thank you all so much, man. But I, I never in my life thought we would see 500K. We're approaching a million views uh, in terms of this channel. Thank you all so much. We're approaching 5K, hashtag road to 5K. Appreciate you all with that as well. But listen, I'll see you all tomorrow night. But until then, we are out. Mm-hmm.